get to see the person next to you, and it's just good to be in God's house with the family of God. Amen? Amen. It is. Uh, uh, we're going to uh, do a good message this morning. I'm going to give you uh, the abbreviated version. I'll get you out of here before 8, uh, 1145. Can somebody say amen? amen? But I feel like the Lord has given me a special, me a special message to share with you this morning. Uh, if it's not the A-plus version of this message, please forgive me. Uh, just blame sleep deprivation. Uh, as a new parent, uh, I'm going to do my very, very best. He, it's all his fault. It's all his fault. I want to share a message called unshakable. Unshakable. How to thrive uh, and not just survive. I preached a message. One of my... I preached a message called How to Thrive and Not Just Survive. And it was on a different story in the Bible. It was on David and Goliath. Uh, and for whatever reason, they decided to record that message. It'll never be found. Uh, I've buried that thing. You cannot listen to it. Uh, but I preached a message on that. And it, it, it just brought me back to that message in the last few weeks I was preparing to preach to you. I thought about that topic and about thriving and not just surviving. I thought about uh, this word unshakable. And in the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel's life is a picture of how to thrive and not just survive because Daniel uh, and the children of Israel went through so many things uh, during the Babylonian captivity. Uh, and yet through all of that circumstances, uh, Daniel uh, didn't just survive. I can look at so many people in the Bible that, that just made it. And how many know that you don't want to just, I don't want to just make it. I just don't want to survive and get by. And I feel like even in today's age, we, 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 we can fall into this rut of, man, I just want to make it week to week, day to day, paycheck to paycheck. And that is not the heart of God for you. And if you don't get anything out of this message today, uh, I want you to get out that the heart of God is not for you just to make it, just to get by. And, and that is a struggle, and it just seems like days, uh, and they seem like they're getting shorter and shorter. Our responsibilities are getting more and more. The stresses are getting more and more. You hear the suicide rate and going up. You hear all these things taking place, mental illnesses uh, taking place, and all these things. And we as Christians can fall into that rut of, I just want to make it. I just want to hold on to the, you know, the old hymnal books, you know, uh, just hold on to the sweet by and by, you know, uh, oh, happy days, you know, I'll fly away, uh, I, I'll fly away, uh, while I'm on earth, I'm just going to struggle and make it, but I can't wait, well, I can't wait to, for heaven and earth to be reunited and to, to seek Jesus, but while I'm on earth, I don't want to just survive and get by, I want, I want, I want, I want to thrive. I want God to use me, and uh, I want to succeed. And success isn't just measured by how much money you have in your bank account or how many people that you network with or anything. Success is about uh, you fulfilling your purpose and maximizing. Uh, greatness is about capacity. How much capacity? This is even in my notes. I'm not even, I'm not even into the notes part of the sermon. Greatness is about how much capacity do you have for life? I remember the scripture is enlarge my tent, God, enlarge my territory, uh, enlarge me, make me expect more from life. Let me expect more from what you want to do in my life. And I feel so strongly this message of being unshakable and thriving and not just surviving in today's age because when you watch the news and if you're on social media, I've actually deleted some of those apps on my phone, the Facebooks and the things like that. I've, I've, I've deleted that because if you spend your time on social media and watching the nightly news, hey, you know, it can get depressing. It can get discouraging. That's not what God wants for you. God wants you to, to live by this media, to live by this word, not the word that you see retweeted or posted on Facebook. And we, we go to Facebook so much. We go to these things so much instead of going here. And, and, and using this as a measuring tool. How do, we, how do we thrive and not just survive? Before we get into the sermon, that's the first part. That's the intro. Uh, let's pray and uh, go before God. Thank you so much for this day, Father. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your, the gift of, of coming and, and, and worshiping, uh, uh, the freedom to do so. Uh, there's so many around the world, so many believers that don't have that freedom to just assemble together and gather in your name. 
Thank you for that freedom. Thank you for those that fought for that freedom. Thank you for your presence this morning in this message. Let it encourage us. Let it strengthen us and motivate us. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. As you know, uh, my wife and I recently welcomed our first child, uh, Harrison, uh, uh, first and only. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm going to do that again. Uh, uh, our, Our first child, Harrison Bennett Maddox. Uh, he is five weeks old this morning, uh, five weeks in, actually five weeks in 21 minutes uh, old. So he's at home. We've got somebody looking after him. We didn't leave him by himself. Just... He's asleep. Let's go to church real quick. Before we... we didn't do that. We didn't do that. But uh, we, we, we welcomed him and, uh, you know, uh, I'm thinking about unshakable and I'm thinking about all these things and, uh, and this is a good thing, but our world has been sh- shaken a little bit. Shooken, shaken? Is that shaken? Okay, not stirred. James Bond <laughs> has been shaken a little bit uh, in our routine uh, and especially now that we've been married almost 10 years and now we finally have our, we've been, we've been trying for many years to have a, a baby and, and, and so we had our routine. Uh, uh, that is all gone. That routine will never be come back again. Now we're trying to figure out. Talked about one of the things that we've uh, is in our hearts, and in a, I'm sure in your heart, if if you're a parent, is uh, in 2019. How do I instill in my son uh, the values and the principles that we believe in? How do we? How do we? Because it seems like it, it, it. That's more and more of a daunting task uh, in today's age. It seems like our values and our principles are sort of like. Uh, uh, being attacked and, and, and more and more, uh, you know, it's, it just seems like it's a more of a daunting task for us to raise, to, for anybody to raise uh, a child in today's day and age uh, with all the things that are out there and all the things and you turn on the news, it's, it, it can get discouraging as I said before. And, and how do we do that? And I don't know if, if you would agree with me. I, I think you would, but today it just seems like our values are under attack. As believers, it just seems like uh, the, our, our values uh, are, are being attacked. Isaiah uh, uh, mentioned this years ago, uh, many, many years ago, of course, in Isaiah 5.20. And I wanted to share this with you because, uh, and I've heard Pastor mention this scripture. It just seems like it fits today. It says this, on Isaiah 5.20, it says, You are doomed if you call evil good. When right is considered wrong and what's wrong is considered right, when you claim to the nation of Israel that destruction is coming, when you, when you consider what is right wrong and what is wrong right. Folks, there is no more uh, 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 scripture that fits, I believe, today's day and age than that right there. It just seems like when you watch the news and you see things, it just seems like what, what, what is right by the word of God is now being called wrong. And what is wrong in the word of God is now being acceptable and right. And, and that's not uh, what the word of God says we should live by. And it seems like our values have turned upside down. It seems like there's a shaking in our society. There's a shaking in our culture and 2,600 years ago, that's when that took place in the nation of Israel. When they began to idolize things that were not God, when they began to uh, uh, treat people unjustly and unfairly, and they began to live in immorality, uh, the prophet prophet Isaiah uh, prophesied that about the children of Israel. And not only Isaiah, there were several other guys. There was Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, uh, Zephaniah. All these prophets began to prophesy uh, of this uh, coming doom because the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, no longer valued what was in the word of God. They no longer lived by the principles that God had shared with them through the law and through the Torah. And so that, that happened. And so when you look at what took place in the nation of Israel? Just to give you a little bit of history lesson, uh, don't fall asleep. I mean, history was my favorite subject in school. I mean, all four of you. The rest of you, are like, when are we going to be gone, Pastor? History lesson. 600 BC, the emperor of the powerful Babylonian Empire invaded Israel. And this was what was prophesied. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he was, that was actually the, the most powerful empire of that day. Uh, they came in, took over the nation of Israel, 
and uh, destroyed the capital of Israel, Jerusalem, and uh, took 25% of uh, uh, Israel uh, away to captivity. So these prophets are prophesying, look, we're, we're not living by the word of God. We're not living by principles and values in God's word. We're not doing what's right. If we don't, met, we don't make some changes, destruction is coming. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, and that just sounds like uh, what's kind of taking place. It just sounds like uh, the values in today are being attacked. The value system of today is being attacked. Uh, uh, Shaken. It just seems like our economy is being shaken. Our government, the systems, the things that are taking place. It just seems like there's a shaking. Can you agree that just when you look at it, it just seems like there's just this 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 thing that's being everything's being turned upside down. Everything's being shaken in our society, and uh, I don't want to get into that. Uh, that too much because I don't believe that this word right here is a doom and gloom message. I don't believe that this is a, a, a doom and gloom and, 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 and oh is me, oh is us. We're, we're just, you know, th- this is the answer. Th- this is the answer. This is the solution. So it, it's not a doom and gloom message, but it is something that if you read the book of Daniel, you'll see so many things that uh, will help you and I when it feels like our world is being shaken, our, uh, our lives are being shaken, and it just seems like uh, things are taking place. Let's go into the book of Daniel, and I want to read this scripture because I, I feel like it's so important. And you look at the, the character of Daniel when he came up. All those prophets were prophesying. He, he is 15 years old in the beginning of the book of Daniel, uh, uh, he's hearing all of these things. Uh, he's hearing all these prophets. Uh, Babylonia comes in. Uh, Babylon comes in, uh, takes him away to captivity, and he's one of the ones that is led away. He's one of the 25% of Israel that's led away uh, to captivity. And he's seeing all this take place, and he's noticing all this take place. But if you read from Daniel 1 all the way to the end, you'll see that. He begins at 15 years old, and by the time the book ends, he's, I think, some 85 years old, and he rises to the second most powerful man uh, in, in the empire at that time, which would be considered the second most powerful man in the world. He, he, he rises. When, when everything is being shaken, Daniel rises when everybody else falls. What, what led him to, to not, and if you read so many other characters in that book, you can see they're just surviving. They're just, they're just making it. They're just getting by. They're just uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're just getting by. They're just making it. But Daniel, Daniel doesn't just survive. He thrives. How does he do that? And I want to share this quick message with you. Daniel 1, verses 1 through 7. Let's read this. In the third year of Judah's king, my version may be a little different than yours, of Judah's king, Jehoiakim's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon besieged Jerusalem with his armies. Let's stop right there. How many have ever felt like you've been besieged in your life? How many have ever? Fe- how many feel like you're being besieged? That word "besiege" is a is a military term. It's a war term. It's not just that I'm being attacked through the front gate. It's not that just I'm being attacked by one side. But when an army would besiege a city, they would attack from multiple directions. They would attack from multiple ways and using multiple methods. And how many of you have felt like you've just been besieged in your life? You just, been, you just feel like uh, my marriage is being besieged. My, my finances are being attacked. You just feel like from every direction, uh, there, there's so many stresses in my life. You, you feel like the, the stresses of life and the schedules in your life and the things that you're dealing with, it just feels like you, 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 you're being overwhelmed. How many of you ever feel like you're being overwhelmed? That would be a good word. When an army besieges a city, they, they attempt to overwhelm that city, that army. And you've ever felt like you've been overwhelmed. That's exactly what happens here. And, and, and it goes on and, and besieged Jerusalem in his army. And God gave Nebuchadnezzar, listen to this, God gave Nebuchadnezzar the victory. Wow. That, that part right there just, just leaped out the pages at me. And it, it might be a different uh, version, but it's essentially the same thing. And God gave Nebuchadnezzar the victory, or uh, God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to get the victory. That just jumped out the pages at me because 
Nebuchadnezzar is not a godly man. Nebuchadnezzar is not a, uh, a Jew. He's not a Hebrew. He's not a, a, a godly man. Nebuchadnezzar is the, the, the leader of the Babylonian Empire. He's the leader of this, this nation, this empire that has just attacked Israel. And yet the Bible says that God gave Nebuchadnezzar the victory. I don't want to stay on that too long, but I, I do want to mention that sometimes God often uses unbelieving leaders to discipline his own children. God often in your life might use somebody that might not be a believer to correct you, to, to uh, discipline his own children. He did it with Pharaoh. Uh, he did it with Cyrus the Persian. He did it with Darius the Mede. He did it with Nebuchadnezzar. God often uses ungodly leaders to do his will. The heart of the king, the Bible says, is in the hand of the Lord. Listen, you might feel like you're being besieged and you might think it's coming from a source that how can it be from God? But I got news for you. God is in control of everything. God is on the throne and even the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. So even though I might be facing difficulty from my boss that I know is not a believer, I can rest assured that I'm in the hand of God and that no matter what comes in my life, I, I know that I'm right on track with what God wants in my life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's, that's an important thing, but uh, here's what happens uh, when, uh, after the battle in the nation was taken into captivity, going on in that scripture. Uh, when Nebuchadnezzar returned to Babylon, he took with him the best sacred objects from the temple of God in Jerusalem and put them on display in his pagan temple of Babylon. He's, what he's doing right there is he, he's doing that as a, a sign of victory. He's, he's showing off. He's putting those things in his temple, uh, in his throne room, and he's, he's showing off uh, to, to everybody. Uh, and that's not a good idea. Can somebody say amen? It's, it's not smart uh, trying to show off to God. He also ordered the best young men of Judah to be taken as captives, to be brought uh, to his palace. And, and one of those happened to be Daniel. And he told them, select only, listen to this, only the best-looking, strongest, smartest young man. I'm probably sure I would have been in that group that was taken. <laughs> Greg, I'm not sure sure about you. I'm, just, I'm pretty sure I'd been in there. I'd have been number one in line. Uh, and, and bring them to my palace. Let's stop right there. The best-looking, the smartest uh, and the most athletic, even 2,600 years ago, that was what was valued in that culture. Doesn't that sound like what's, what's valued today? The best looking, look at your neighbors, that's me. The smartest and the most, most ath athletic. Didn't say anything about the, the most integrous. Didn't say anything that had, you know, find the most, the, those that have the highest character. Find the one that has the most purest heart. Even 2,600 years ago, that, those were the values. Those were the things that were valued more than anything else uh, in that culture and in that world at that time. And 2,600 years ago, that seems to be the exact thing that is valued more than anything. Can you throw a football or can you shoot a basketball or how good is your voice on a competition show on TV or this, that, and the other? It's not let's find the most character. Let's find the purest heart. Let's find. This is what Nebuchadnezzar, this is what Babylon, this is what the Babylonian Empire, this is what this evil empire took these young men. And they literally basically put these young men through a three-year uh, indoctrination program. What they did is they, and it goes on in the next verse, it says, make sure that they are well-versed in every branch of learning, that they're gifted in knowledge, in good sense, and have the poise needed for, to serve in my royal, this is Nebuchadnezzar talking, teach these young men the language and the literature of the Babylonian culture. What is that? They're being indoctrinated. They're being, in uh, uh, some of these young men, Daniel, uh, and his, his name is, uh, he's renamed Belteshar. Uh, Hananiah, uh, and you won't recognize that maybe, uh, he's renamed Shadrach. Uh, uh, Mishael was renamed Meshach. Uh, and Azariah was renamed Abednego. 
So these four young men, along with many others, were those that were programmed to be uh, Babylonian. So all that tells me is that the culture and the society of Israel is being shaken. Their whole world is being turned upside down. Though their whole world is being shaken, even to the very core, even to the, the point that these young men are being indoctrinated and, 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 and attempted to be completely changed over to an entire new set of principles, an entire new set of values, an entire new set of way of living, so much so that they even teach them literature. I mean, it goes to every core. And it speaks of this moment where their lives have been changed. Now, you, you, you think about Daniel. He's 15 years old. And he is experiencing this situation. How many of you know, 25% of Israel is led into captivity. That means 75% is still left uh, in Israel. 25% is led away into what is now known as Iraq, into that area of the Middle East. And he's led away from his parents. He's led away from his friends. He's led away from his family, taken into captivity, indoctrinated into the Babylonian culture. And, 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 and all this takes place. How many of you know your world is shaken? Man, I, I'm, I'm 37 years old, and, and I can't contemplate what Daniel uh, and these people are going through. But yet, even though his life is shaken to the very foundation, Daniel, this 15-year-old kid, grew into a great man of God, one of the greatest prophets that you will find in the Word of God. Grew into the second most powerful man of the empire in that day. What do you do? I mean, that's a pretty, that's, that's like a Hollywood story. You could, you, could, you could take the book of Daniel, and Hollywood, if they had any sense, could take this story and make it into a movie, and it, it, would, be, it would utterly blow your mind. Daniel is one of the, 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 most, the greatest books that you can ever study, so much prophecy and so many things in the book of Daniel, but so many things that we're going to share and we're going to talk about uh, just for a few short minutes about how to thrive and not just survive because Daniel goes through all of this circumstance, all of this situation, and yet God is able to use him to change an entire nation. He's actually the one that prophesies of Jesus' coming. He's actually the one that prophesies of the Son of Man. The terminology in the book of Daniel is actually what is used in the New Testament when they're talking about the Son of Man. They're actually reading from Daniel. This, this 15-year-old boy that went through all of this, this, this captivity, this indoctrination, all these things of that day. Man, that, that encourages me because, I mean, I ain't trying to rise to the second most power. I'm not being vice president. You, you ain't got to worry about me running for office. Uh, I mean, I'm only even running for, like, commissioner or the, what's that weird position that everybody talks about, the comp, whatever, I don't know. I'm not even running for anything. Don't vote for me. I'm not running. But I know if Daniel can be used of God, I know God can use me. I know God can teach me, and, and I know God can help me thrive uh, in, in my life, in the circumstances that I go through. Because uh, life can shake you sometimes. Life can shake you. Just shake your neighbor just real quick. Just say, that's kind of what it feels like physically, what I'm going through. I'm being shaken a little bit. I'm being shaken. You know? I don't like that feeling either, by, by the way. Just that shaking feeling like you're, you know, like you're ever, like you lean in your chair and somebody messes with you and kicks the chair and you feel like you're falling. I don't like that feeling emotionally and spiritually and mentally and in your circumstance, you can feel like that sometimes. You can feel like you're, you're, you, you, you don't have solid footing. How do we get solid footing beneath us? It's right in here in the book of Daniel. I want to share just some quick points with you because when your world is shaken by a death, there's three suggestions that I want to mention that, uh, that I've pulled from the book of Daniel that I want to share with you. And the first is don't be surprised by adversity. Write that down. And I usually have notes on the screen, but that's one of the things that goes when you have 
a newborn. <laughs> so please forgive me. I'll repeat it four or five times. Don't be surprised. I even had a great graphic I designed I was working on. It's all his fault. Don't be surprised by adversity. Here's what's, here's what stood out from me. All these prophets are prophesying. Ezekiel, uh, Zephaniah, uh, Jeremiah, they're all prophesying that this is coming. This, this, this is happening. If, if, you, if we don't fix some things, if we don't deal with some things, this is coming. And, and, and Daniel had to be in that circumstance as a 15-year-old boy seeing all this take place. Uh, he, he, he was not taken by surprise. Don't be surprised by adversity. First Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, don't be shocked. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be shocked. Don't, 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 be, don't, don't, be, don't be shook. Is that what the young people say? Don't be shook. Or surprised when you suffer through painful tests and trials as if something strange is happening to you. He's saying being shaken is a normal part of life. Going through, going through a shaking in your life, that's just life. Like, that's the circumstances that you might go through. Listen, uh, when you read the book of Genesis, heaven and earth are, are one. They're unified. I believe the whole word of God is a unified story that leads to Jesus Christ. In the beginning, heaven and earth were complete. Everything was great. Then we messed it all up because we decided to live by our own ways, to live by our own rules. And now we've, this, this thing called sin has come in the world, and we live in a broken world. So guess what? That means life is going to happen. Amen? I'll tell you, y'all don't believe that. Life is going to happen. Relationships, broken situations. We shouldn't expect things to be perfect here on earth because this isn't heaven. When, when, when heaven comes, when the new Jerusalem comes, when you read Revelations, when, when things come back together, then everything's going to be right. Until then, we, we just live in a broken world. Listen to this, John 16, 33. In this world, uh, you might experience difficulties. No, that's not what the word, that's not what John says. Jesus says, in this world, you will experience difficulties. But take heart, I have conquered the world. I've told you this so that in trusting me, you will be, listen, unshakable. You'll be unshakable and deeply at peace. Your version might be different. But the, that scripture just means in this world, you're going to face tribulation. But if you trust in me. You, you, don't, you don't have to worry about what, what ground you stand on. You don't have to worry about what, 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 fo what footing you take. If you are standing on me, if you're standing on the word of God, then everything's going to be all right. You might feel a shaking a little bit, but just hold on to the word of God. Hold on to him. Amen? I'm gonna, I, I, I want to uh, talk about there's just four sources of problems real quick. That just, to, just, just to give you, just write this down. There's four sources of problems. Pastor Randy mentioned the first one. The first source of problem uh, is me. Look at your neighbor and say, it's me. First source of problem in my life, and this is number one, ain't number four, ain't number three, ain't number two. It's number one. The first sort of problem in my life is me. How many know I can be my own worst enemy? Don't leave me out there hanging. Put that hand up. I can make some dumb decisions. I can make some dumb decisions. I don't need the amens from over here in this side for my wife. I, I can make, she's nodding her head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can make some dumb decisions. Yes, you, you may call me pastor, but that don't keep me from making dumb decisions. I don't care who you are. You, the, 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 my worst enemy is the enemy enemy. Second, real quick, the source of problem is the world. This is just simple. The world is a, you're going you're gonna to go through the world. The world, it, it, if they killed Jesus, if they crucified him, he said, what do you think they're going to do to you? I mean, if the world system and the world loves you and you're the best friend of the world, then, then there's a problem. They're, they're going to they're hate you. There ought to be one person in your life, there ought to be one coworker in your life that don't like you just because you believe Jesus. There ought to be one person in your life that don't get along with you just because you believe in Jesus. Why? Because that, that, that means you're on the right path. Third source of problem is the enemy. 
and we understand the devil, we understand the enemy. Uh, the fourth sort of source of a problem in our life, this might shock you, is actually God. The fourth, the fourth source of problem in my life can actually be God. God. God can allow things in my life, can allow correction in my life. And I'm going to share a little bit about it and expand on that a little bit. But, but the fourth source of problem sometimes uh, can be God. God will sometimes shake up your life for very good reasons. God will sometimes put you through a shaking for good reasons. And that's why I want to go through these points. Uh, ultimately, it doesn't matter where that problem comes from, and it doesn't have to be bad. I mean, we, we hear the word problems, and we think bad, evil. Look, sleep's a problem for me right now. These are, there's problems that can be good, but ultimately, wherever that source comes from, uh, uh, it doesn't matter. It, 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 it's, it's how you deal with that problem. Uh, you can't help but go through problems in life, but you can help how you react to the problems that you go through. Can somebody say amen? You, you can't help. Number two, second suggestion, look for ways that God might use it for good. Look for ways that God might use it for good. Jeremiah 29 11 says this, the plans I have for you are plans for good and not to harm you. They are plans to give you hope and a future. If you want to succeed and thrive rather than just survive in a hostile culture, you need to look for ways that God can take the things that shake you up and use them for good. In Daniel's life, God did five things real quick, five sub-points, five things with the problems that he had to face, and I'm going to go through these quickly. A, number one, uh, sometimes God shakes things up in my life to inspect me. Write that down. Sometimes God shakes things up in my life or allows things to shake me or allows a shaking in my life in order to inspect me. And this one to me, when I, when I, it, 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 it just fits me so great. Sometimes the frustrations that I deal with in life, sometimes the problems that I go through in life, if I stop and think about how I'm reacting to them, that's actually an indication of what's in my heart. Sometimes that shaking is revealing things that inside of me that God wants me to deal with. You're leaving me all out there. Sometimes the frustrations in your life, sometimes the problems that you're dealing with, sometimes the circumstances that you're going through, God is bringing that or allowing that shaking to come up in order to saying and go through that situation, allow God to speak to you. God actually was, is inspecting you. He's allowing you to see you and how your heart really is. I mean, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I've been frustrated about a problem. I've been uh, uh, angry about a problem, upset about a problem. And, and I stopped to think about that and stopped to pray for that. And God is revealing something in my heart, something that I, I, I never knew and I didn't understand that God is dealing with. God often shakes things up in my life to inspect me. You've got a fear, uh, a fear in your life, a wrong motivation. You've got a value or a, a misperception. Uh, there's a lie that you're believing. There's something that you're being deceived by. God uses problems in our life to inspect us. Can somebody say amen? amen. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 10 says, the Lord searches our hearts and examines our deepest motives so he can give to each person his right reward according to how he has lived. Wow, man, that's powerful. God searches our hearts. He examines our motives. Uh, and, and, and here's something you ought to write down. In life, what you do is not nearly in, as important as why you do it. In life, what you do is not nearly as important as why you do it. If you read Jesus throughout the, the Gospels, he, he, he dealt with the heart. He dealt with 
the motives. The, uh, the religious people were pointing at all these things, but Jesus said, I look to the heart. You say uh, 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 adultery is wrong, but I say if you even look at a woman to lust after, you've committed adultery in your heart. You say murder is wrong, but I say if you even speak evil in your heart, if you even have uh, evil in your heart towards somebody, you've committed murder. Why? He's, 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 he's inspecting the heart. He's examining the motives. Why you do something is way more important than what you do. Going forward, and I want to, each one of these, I'm gonna, I want you to write a question down. What does this problem reveal about me? Sometimes God shakes things up in my life to inspect me. And what does this problem reveal about me? Second thing uh, that God is doing, sometimes God shakes things up in my life not to inspect me but to correct me. Sometimes God shakes things up or allows things to shake in my life, allows problems or circumstances to correct me. How many are glad that you got corrected when you were a kid growing up? How many are glad you were corrected? These young folks don't know nothing about correction. We had this tree, and you know them trees that have the bendy, the, 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 the bark is bendy. It's like it don't break. You know, the stick and stuff, it's like those trees that grow up like that, and it's just bendy. Yeah, I, I got really familiar with those trees. I mean, you, you, you go through correction. I'm just teasing. I didn't get abused as a kid. My mom and dad are like, what are you talking? <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't. <laughs> but you go through correction as a kid. You go through correction. I'm glad you went through correction. How many glad you, your parents corrected you? How many, how many glad you, 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 you uh, taught, you know, how you, were, how you were taught not to touch a hot stove? You were taught by touching that hot stove. And like, okay, that's hot. It's the first word you learn as a kid, hot. Sometimes you go through shaking because God is correcting you. God is correcting the nation of Israel 2,600 years ago. He, he's correcting. Hebrews 12, 11, uh, 8 through 11 says, God corrects all of his children, and if he doesn't correct you, then you really don't belong to him. God corrects us for his own good because he wants us to be holy as, as he is. Let me know it's not fun to be corrected. It ain't fun to be corrected, but that's just what we go through. Hebrews 12, 26 to 27 says this. When God spoke from Mount Zion, uh, Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now, he says, I will not only shake the earth, but the heavens too. By this he means that he will sift out everything with a, with, without a solid foundation so that only the unshakable things will be left. Wow. God, God's into shaking. You might think in this sermon that I'm preaching that God is not into shaking. I've got news for you. He's into shaking. He's, 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 he is 100% into shaking uh, because he, he's sifting. Uh, he, he's into purifying. How, how do you purify a metal? How do you purify a gold? You put it through heat. You, you put it through. Listen, there is no gain without pain. Pastor Cliff's like, amen. Pastor just got his brown belt yesterday. I saw this. Pastor Lisa showed me the picture, and I was like, wow, he just went through some pain. You, you, how many, how many, how many work out? How many lift weights? Put my hand down on them. Feeling some pain. You're feeling some discomfort because that's growth. That's what happens. This is the question you should ask on that one. What is this problem, problem teaching you? What is this problem teaching me? What is this problem? Number three, sometimes God shakes things up in my life to direct me. Wow. Sometimes God shakes things up in my life to direct me. Proverbs 16, 9 says, a person may plan his own journey. I know, how many know you got your plan out? You got, how many planners we have in here? Oh, y'all lying. There's more planners. All the hands are ladies. I don't see one man got a hand up in this house. How many planners we have? That's right. Every female in this should have their hand up. There ain't a dude with a hand up. You, you got a plan. 
That's what Proverbs says, a person may plan his own journey, but the Lord directs his steps. How does God direct your steps? Really simple, write this down, problems. God can direct your step through problems. Have you ever noticed that problems often change your plans? Yeah, yeah. I had my life planned out. I had this. Listen, God will allow problems in your life to change your direction, to change your circumstances. We don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. Mm. You ought to write that down. That was free. Proverbs 20, 30. Proverbs 20, 30. And again, this might be a different version. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. If you think that problem, we, we, every problem that comes in our life, we rebuke. Every problem we cast out. Every problem we, we, we point to the devil. But there's four sources of problem. Me, the world, the devil, and God. So maybe I ought to just pray about this and understand that, that maybe this painful experience is to make me change our way. Even Aristotle said this, we cannot learn without pain. Aristotle, I mean, this ain't, a, this ain't in the Bible, but that's pretty good. Prodigal son hits rock bottom, changes his heart. Goes from, give me my inheritance, give me what's mine, even worthy to be your son. Let me be a hired servant. Why? Because of problem. Because of problem. We rarely think about the direction of our lives when things are going good. Did you ever notice that? When everything's good, when everything's copacetic, when we're, when we're on cruise control, uh, we're, we're not thinking. Have you ever driven your car and you drive and you're driving and you might have it on cruise and you, like, you like don't realize like the last two minutes? I know it's kind of scary to think about that. Am I alone in that? I'm not alone in that thing. The Lord, you're like, how did I get? I know it's like, I don't bore you with the science, but it's a part of the brain that memorizes routine uh, uh, things that you go through and you just live that thing out. You've ever left work and I I need to go to Walmart and they say, you know, you're pulling in your driveway all the time. I got to go back to Walmart, get the milk and eggs. You often don't think about the direction of your life when everything's going good, when you're on cruise control. But it's when you hit a traffic jam, an accident, that you realize you were going the wrong direction. You were going the wrong way. One of the values of pressure and problems and crisis in life is it forces you to think about stuff you normally wouldn't think about on your own. You you wouldn't normally think about the situation that you're in except for written instructions. Here's the question. Where is this problem leading me? Where, this is, these are questions about trying to figure out, is this problem something that I should deal with, rebuke, pray about? That's the question. Where is this problem leading me? Before, sometimes God shakes things up to protect us. Did you know pain protects us from something? I'm not going to stay on this one long. Uh, you wouldn't go to the hospital about that sickness if there were no symptoms. That disease you might, that you wouldn't go seek a doctor except for the symptoms. Sometimes that pain might be uh, an indication that, that God is protecting you. That symptom is, a, is an indication of something wrong. So God's shaking up because he's trying to protect you. There will be times you have problems when you did the right thing. You, 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 you did the right thing, you, you, you made the right decision, but yet a problem arises from that decision. Don't, don't be deceived in thinking that if you do everything godly and make the right choice and you follow values and principles that it's always going to work out good for you. I got news for you. You can make the right decision and still have the wrong outcome. Joseph made the right decision. He made the right decision. He, he was the second in command in Egypt, made the right decision with Pharaoh's wife, and yet now he finds himself in 
the, uh, the, he finds himself in jail. He finds himself in prison. Makes the right decision with the baker. Makes the right decision with, but not yet he finds himself still in that situation. Don't think just because you make the right decision that it's always going to be the wrong outcome. You can make the right decision and the right thing and the right decision, but the wrong thing come, the problem come. Job 36, 16 says, God has led you away from danger. How many glad that God leads you away from danger? I mean, how many times you you driven home a wrong, a different direction, you were late, you were this, that, and the other, and find out there was a wreck or something happened. I mean, you're glad that God is watching out for you. God has led you away from danger, giving you freedom. Problems are preparations for success. You ought to write that. Problems are preparations for success. I'm hurrying. Ask this question. How could this problem protect me? How can this problem protect me? And lastly, God uses things and problems to perfect me. Margaret Clarkson years ago read a book called Grace Grows Best in Winter. It says in this, it's possible to grow during the bright fair weather times, but growth is faster and deeper often during your darkest days. Often during the night times of faith, often during the night times of your, of your faith and your Christian life, Oftentimes, that's the, that's the time where you grow the most is when those problems arise, is when those circumstances come. Pain is the high cost of growth. You should write that down. Pain is the high cost of growth. If you want to grow emotionally, if you want to mature physically, if you want to grow in your faith, in your belief, if you want to grow in that area, there is no way to do it without pain. 1 Peter 5.10 says this, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who calls you to share his eternal glory in union with Christ will himself perfect you and give you firmness, strength, and a sure foundation. Listen, oftentimes God does those things. He allows shaking in your life to protect you, to perfect you. Ask this question lastly, how can I grow from this problem? How can I can I grow from this problem? The third suggestion and last one about the, Dan- the life of Daniel, we talked about all those things. Trust God for what I don't understand. You know, we've talked about those questions and, and why those things happen, but there's sometimes we have in life where we just don't understand. There's some problems and issues that come in our life. How many have had a situation in life that you just can't make sense of it? Most of what we're talking about is just problems that are just life, just circumstances, just issues. But oftentimes there are problems that come up in your life. There are circumstances and storms that you go through where you just can't make sense of it. You just, you just don't understand why this is taking place. It don't line up with anything in this. It, it doesn't make sense. In that circumstance, trust God for what I don't understand. Proverbs twenty twenty four. And I'm hurrying it close. Since the Lord is directing our steps, why not try to understand everything that happens along the way? You ought to, you ought to memorize. If you, don't, if you don't read Proverbs every day, you ought to read a scripture of Proverbs every day. You, you trying to understand God's ways. You trying to understand God's ways is like an ant trying to understand the Internet. You, you, you trying to make sense of that situation that... that that pain in your life, oftentimes when I don't understand is when I need to trust. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Honor the Lord in everything you do and he will give you success. Again, success isn't the measure of my bank account. Success isn't how strong I am physically. Success isn't the how much... Connections I make in, in the network of my workplace, success is, in the, success is, a, is a, a fulfilling the purpose for which God created me for and following him and allowing him to lead me. God wants us to success, succeed in life. He wants us to, uh, to thrive and not just survive, survive. As I'm closing, I want to read you a story. There's a story of a boat that sank and our, our musicians can come. There's a story of a boat that sank uh, because it ran aground near the coast of Ireland. One crewman was able to escape uh, this, 
destruction and, and escaped by swimming to a huge rock that was immovable against the waves. This ship had run aground near the coast and this crewman was able to survive by hanging to this large rock that was immovable, that, that was unshakable. Trembling, the poor crewman clung to it throughout the night. Finally, hours later, a passing boat, a rescue vessel, spotted this man clinging to this immovable rock and rescued that man. The sailors of that ship asked the crewman if he was afraid while hanging on the rock. And he replied, yes. Yes, I was trembling with fear, but the rock didn't. I was trembling, but the rock didn't. Listen, you might be going through problems in your life and you may feel like you're going through a shaking in your life where things, your footing is unsure, your, your footing is unclear. But as long as you're clinging to the rock, you will be unmovable. As long as you are clinging to the rock, you can thrive and not just survive. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? I want to pray, Father, we thank you so much God, I hope that we can cling to the rock. I pray that we cling to you. We cling to the rock of Jesus that is immovable. Our anchor is in you, Jesus. You are our anchor. You are our source of strength. And Father, right now, I pray for every individual in here this morning that may be going through a shaking, feel like our footing is unsure, and we feel like we're being besieged from all directions. I pray that that individual would understand that oftentimes God will lead us into those shaking to protect, to inspect, to correct, to, to, to lead us in a new direction. But God, if there's often times where we feel like we're being shaking, where we're unsure, God, we need to trust in you. Trust that we are clinging to the rock of Jesus. With every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to encourage you. If that's you this morning and you say, you know what, this word just blessed me. This word just encouraged me. I'm going through a shaking in my life. With every head bowed and eye closed, you just raise your hand, lift your hand up and wave it as a sign to the Father, as a sign to God. That's me, man. I'm going through some shaking. Hands are already up. That's just a sign of faith. That's just you responding in faith to God. I'm not going to come to you and lay hands and embarrass you. But just right there where you're at, every head bowed and eye closed, that's me. Just lift your hand up in the air and just wave it to the Lord. Say, Father, thank you so much for this word. I pray that you would seal it in Jesus' name.